Welcome to First Aid Copites, a podcast for Delaware's Liverpool supporters and their friends. December 16th, and we're in the middle of an intense period. Welcome to the latest edition of our show. I'm Paul. I'm joined, delighted to be joined by Daz and Justin this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Palace, uh, Union Saint Gilloise, uh, and uh, we'll look ahead to Man United. The game is tomorrow, um, but uh, there's a lot of history around that game. There's probably a, a lot of chat around seven nils and stuff, and maybe we'll touch on West Ham and the EFL Cup before we're done. So let's launch into part one and, and look at what happened in the last week. Um, we'll start with Palace. Uh, and it, it's been a week, uh, literally it's been a week um, since since that game. Um, I think it's fair to say we escaped with a 2-1 win from South London, and we're now somehow top of the league. Uh, I'll start with you, Justin. Um, I, I was looking at the XG, and, and the headline was the XG was 1.77 for Palace, uh, 1.11 in most models. But I, I looked at it this morning, and it looks like that includes... 0.75 for the penalty they had, so um, not not quite uh, as, uh, as as perhaps um, outlandish as winning two one as, as it might have been. Uh, what are your thoughts about that game? Having had a week to think about it, you know, I actually kind of memory hold it. Um, it's one of those. This was one of those games where like th- th- there's a lazy part of me that wants to be like, yeah, you're gonna play games like that. And I was thinking about the two one at Villa in the 2019 season but that game we were all over villa we just surrendered an unfortunate goal and then finally just kept going and got what we deserved um i thought i guess palace we were mostly shit but like at the same time there's things to explain this right early kickoff traveling right like people will say that you know uh, palace played an early kick played at the same time that weekend as we did but they didn't also have to travel to london and I mean, it's just, it, it was, it, it, like the early kickoffs, I never expect good games. The early kickoffs tend to favor the crappier team anyway, be, or the, and the home team in particular, because without a lot of recovery time, you're just going to sit there and slog through it. So um, my, my only thought about it is, thank God we got out of there with the three points. I thought the clock was really um, reactive in how, waited, how long he waited to go to Harvey Elliott. Um, I actually think Harvey Elliott needs to be gone to a lot more frequently and a lot more often when we're chasing goals because, um, you know, no, uh, not trying to dig out Tom Sabazla here because he does a lot of other things throughout the pitch, but Harvey Elliott's our best attacking midfielder right now. And if I'm looking for a player to do creative things with the ball, he's the one I want doing them. Um, put him into more situations where, where we need goals to chase them. And he also seems to have really good link up with the likes of Mo Salah, the likes of Darwin Nunez. He knows how to play in the team. Um, I'm trying not to make this like full Harvey Elliott um, propaganda, but uh, the lad needs to play more. Uh, and um, I'm really glad that he scored that goal because it was a cracker of a shot. Bad goalkeeping. And I, I'm, I'm interested in Daz's feelings on how the keeper was positioned because it looked like he was just giving so much of the goal to shoot at but whatever took advantage of it got out of there uh alive got out of their top stayed top and you know maybe we'll talk about this maybe we won't but i'll get my two cents in which is we're top of the league and i have no clue how good we are i think we're good our underlying numbers are good but i don't know if we're like title winning good and we're going to start building form 
or if this is just kind of a we're a solid top four team that has taken advantage of a lot of results falling our way. Yeah. One thing we'll pick up on, and we'll talk about goalies as well, but uh, go to you, Daz. Um, just to mention about Harvey Elliott knowing kind of what to do. And I do think in some of the games where uh, the pressure's been on a bit more, uh, I'm thinking of Gravenberg against Fulham, for example, it wasn't instinctive for him to know where to run to or where to pass to, whereas I think Elliot has got a lot more kind of muscle memory around that, which I think might be more and more important as we go on this season uh, and may you know may may help us be the best version of ourselves at times. Um, I do want to say one more thing before I pass it over to you. Um, I listened back to last week's predictions, and once again, you were spot on. 2-1, you said. Um, I think you said something about it might be 3-1, but uh, you did definitely start with 2-1. Yeah. It's It just had that feel to it for all the reasons that Justin was talking about. And I think we played exactly how you probably expect us to play at Palace and 7.30 kickoff. But I think that uh, by the way that we've, by virtue of the way that we played, I think most of what this our chat about that game should be around Harvey Elliott. Yeah, uh, so when when you have a goalkeeper that comes on and he's cold, like you're always told, hit just put shots, put put something towards him, see what he's got. Like he's he has, he had, and the, by all by all accounts, it doesn't look like this lad's any good. And he was, he was like he was right in the middle of the goal for a shot, like for too far to the right for a shot that that was potentially going to come from there from a left-footed player. So, um, I uh, I think. Look, I I love Harvey Elliott, and I'll hold my hand up. And I I last year I didn't I didn't see a place for him. I just felt like he was he was targeted when he had the ball. When he had it, he was he was muscled off the ball very easily. And Klopp, to his credit, has 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 provided a platform for him. And I think that platform, and as little as he's going to want to be the super sub, that's kind of what he is right now. You've tenderized the midfield. You've tenderized uh, a, a defenders, and then let Harvey get on fresh. He's bright. He loves he loves to go at people with like facing a goal. So and he and he's to Justin's point, he's a very good ball advancer. Like his, his immediate inclination is to turn and go the other way and 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 go go to goal. Um and, and he's by a significant margin statistically our best ball progressor in 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 our in the players you'd consider to be like our front five. Nice, and you can see it too. It's, and and again, like I'm, 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 I'm really excited to see his his like his growth and his progression this year because everything he does, he's a, for for a young man, he's incredibly professional. I, I seem to remember like a long time ago when he was essentially a baby, he put some some uh, social media post out, and there was there was an uproar around it, and so, like, and I think he learned from that experience, and like everything that like, he's so measured when he talks. And you can just see his love for Liverpool just like just just flows from him, and so like I I, I he's one player that I, I I'm really excited to see his development and how he's coming along because I was a bit of a bell end about like what we were going to do with him. I didn't wish him ill. I just I didn't I didn't know what what role he was going to play. And uh, Gravenberg, I I I think next season we'll probably see we'll get the best out of him. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He doesn't know our system. He came in really late in the in, in the window. Um, the, the the tools are all there. You can see that he's got the 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 raw ingredients. It's. I think it's just going to be. If, 
when he becomes a club player, I think we'll 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 we'll, we'll see a lot more. You, you want to know? Do you want to know Gravenberg's biggest problem at the moment for us? He doesn't pass the ball enough. Like mm-hmm. volume of passes is too low, which is basically which is part of the reason you've seen Diaz it, since Curtis Jones's uh, red card against Spurs. One of our big problems on the left side has actually been formulating any sort of coherent attacking output out of it. Mm. It's because we don't pass the ball enough and don't utilize Diaz enough in and getting working and getting him into space. Right, that's the the, the positional issue. We have. if you look at the right, there is a lot of passing going on up our right. Trent's a passer. Mo's a passer. Dom is a passer, right? McAllister, when he moves that way and passes the ball up that way, is a passer. Virgil, when he hits long diagonals, again, it's a passer. And your your right-sided center back also is a guy who's going to end up naturally getting a lot of passes. Down the left side, other than Verge and when Robertson plays, who I think we're actually really missing, everybody else is a carrier and not a passer. So when you have a lot of carriers, it's a lot. you, You don't have a way of mixing your progression enough Whereas on the right, we have guys who could do both because Mo and Dom actually can carry the ball, but you have no passer on the left. Curtis is the closest, but even then his passing is um, more around ball retention than it is around ball advancement. Yeah, I think uh, that's one of the downsides of, of Simicass, um, apart from... Well, apart from some other features of his game, but it it really slows down when he's trying to think about what to do next when it can't go on a run. I do want to talk about one thing though, um, Justin. Um, our use of subs has been incredible, and that has been the one thing I would say that the wider press has started to remark on. Um, I think we've had eleven goals uh, from subs this season. Um, I think I read that, and and it, it, certainly when not just Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, Gakpo. Gomez and Canate came on, it felt like the performance was quite different having all those players on the field uh, versus the people who started the game. Yeah, it's and it's also not who's necessarily coming on. It's it's what we're doing to actually change shapes. And I mean, it didn't work against Palace, but it worked in the two preceding games against uh, Fulham. Midfield. And, yeah, exactly. Which was moving Trent to midfield. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Obviously, getting ahead of ourselves. I have an odd inclination Trent's going to start in midfield on Sunday. Um, don't know why. It just feels like he might. Um, but it's it's right because of the fact that we actually do have options from our bench. And it's because of the fact that those options from our bench are very different than whoever is on the pitch then, right? Like the way Cody Gakpo interprets the nine is going to be very different than how Darwin Nunez interprets the nine, right? Um, or whatever. Jim, whatever goes on inside Darwin's head, because I, I don't, I don't think that's a <laughs> place that I'm privy to the understanding of. Um, it's got to be wild. Uh, I'm... Interesting fellow. I actually think Darwin's probably very intelligent. Just has a lot of chaos. It just has a lot of things going on in there. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's it's because of the fact that you are showing so many different ways of interpreting positions and. When you're used to playing against a guy who's doing something one way for 75 minutes and then you get tired and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. Instead of Dom Sabazla, who's going to carry the ball and try to overlap and spread the pitch, I now have Harvey Elliott, who's going to run right at me, but also has incredible vision. And it's coming from a different angle because he's left footed and like that's that's that's, that messes with people's brains. It really does. Or, oh, they're you know, they're moving to. uh Wataru Endo is going to sit there and play as the six, and then their two eights are going to push up further because they have a guy who is a natural six playing in the six. Like, 
it, it does change how teams have to think. And as much as it's about, you know, the individual players making contributions, Klopp and Linders have it spot on. And as far as like, this is the small tactical tweak we need to actually manufacture something here. And it's one of those things where Klopp's tactical acumen consistently gets underrated because everybody just sees him as this great motivator of men. You don't get to where Jurgen Klopp has gotten to unless you have the full package. It's not just about getting people to run through walls for you. It's sometimes it's about also telling them, here's how you go around the wall. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree about uh, it not being necessarily the players, uh, but the use, his, the use of the five subs is uh, feels like another level compared to like anybody else who's in our um, kind of rivals. Don't want to let the moment pass either, Daz, without remarking on um, not the best goal Mo Salah ever scored, but 200 for Liverpool. That's just uh, unbelievable. 200 goals for Liverpool. It is. And if you look about like the Titans that are ahead of him, I'm not sure how many people he'll catch. He might catch fairly little. Uh, again, I think it depends on how long he stays with us, but yeah. he needed that goal. You could see he was gasping for it. Like it's it, it, the, the couple of pre- the, the previous performances before that were like a, a representative of the team to a very real extent. There was, he wasn't he wasn't his his sp- sparkling best, but it's, he's always found a way to bundle stuff over the line. And I think if even if he had a, if that if that goal hadn't have gone in, I think Joel Ward gets sent off and it's a penalty because Madley had the had the, the whistle to his lips. It was a horrendous challenge, by the way. Yeah. It was horrendous. But you know what? Let's that shelf that and be more effusive in our praise for Mohamed Salah, who deserves all of our praise. What yeah. an incredible footballer he is! I, I don't want to tinge the, the praise for him, but uh, I didn't recall Roy Hodgson mentioning that challenge in his tirade after the match about the officiating. Um, but that's a, that's another story, Mo Salah. So so hopefully, um, I'm surprised actually he didn't go to Belgium this week uh, to to maybe nab a couple of. Cheap goal. Yeah, stats. Uh, but but uh, anyway, I, we, I guess we are where we are. Um, just a, I I don't know how much uh, you, you've been reading. I've been reading way too much and listening to too many podcasts. People seem consistently underwhelmed by us. And I, I know you made the point. I'm not quite sure how good we are. But it, it seems in complete contrast to the way they talk about Arsenal. Like I heard some like reasonably decent um, football person this week talking about, oh, Arsenal are playing wonderful football. I'm like, what games are they watching? Because I watched them last week against Luton and I thought they were turgid. Um, I mean, they surrendered three goals to Luton. Yeah. But they're playing wonderful football. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the reality is if you actually look at like most underlying values, like most underlying data simulators and such, which by the way, I tend to value the underlying data more than I value like punditry. Um, not that I value either, like in like <laughs> at like a, an extremely high level, but um, data has far fewer biases than Paul fucking Merson. It wasn't him who said this. I know. I'm just picking a random actual middle name. I'm, pick, you know I'm picking a random, very Arsenal biased pundit. Yeah. Right. Um, like I, I, I trust like Optus simulations that basically say that we would probably win the league. Um, you know, that we're two that, that we're like, you know, it's like one and a half acts more likely to win the league than they are because they have some soft spots. Like, we have soft spots. None of these teams are perfect. Like, Arsenal's real, our Arsenal's real issue is the fact that it's like they can actually 
run drive goals because they don't have a center forward. They don't have consistent goal scorers. Like we have Mo, their most consistent scorer is probably Odegaard or Saka, who are both like wonderful footballers. You guys have both heard me talk about the fact that I rate Martin Odegaard incredibly highly. I think he's a fantastic footballer. I would take him on our side in a fucking heartbeat. We but, tried. Yeah, we tried. Um, but at the same time, like he is not going to get nearly the kind of output that Mo is. Nor is Bayako Saka, nor is Gabriel Martinelli, nor is Gabriel Jesus. Like these are all good footballers, but you know, it's just they don't have that attacking focal point that we have. And I also just think that's one that they have one real, 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 real crutch that they'll that they that or I shouldn't say crutch, it's the opposite of a crutch. They have one thing that'll actually knock them down, which is their goalkeepers are David Raya and Aaron Ramsdale, right? Neither of whom I think are that good. And we've seen what happens when you have if you have two mediocre keepers, you don't have a keeper. It's the same thing that we had when we had Minule and Carius, right? There's a reason that we took the next step up when we had, when we added um, Allison Becker, which is the gap between a, a, a true starting caliber goalkeeper. Now, Allison's obviously not just any goalkeeper because he's arguably the best player in the Premier League, um, or at least the most valuable. Like you're you're taking the step up between. Two guys who like Ryan Ramsdale are good. They're professional keepers, but they're not that elite level that you actually need if you are seriously going to chase things. Like, um, say what you will about Ederson, his ability to do things on the ball for City is massively important to how they play and basically is why they're able to do so much in possession is because they truly have another outfield player, right? Yeah. There's something additive to their team because of him. I don't really see much of that from Raya or Ramsdale. I, I think there is a thing that I read a piece this morning actually about Onana and uh, like by some numbers, he's not having a bad season, uh, but he, he has this tendency apparently to parry the ball out into the middle of the six yard box, which you know, is, is a bit of a problem. What they talked about though, overall, the biggest takeaway was that he's facing way more shots than he's ever done in his career. Uh, and, you know, if you're looking for the kind of goalie that plays for a team like Liverpool, they're not going to face the number of shots that if you if you play for a team like Brentford. And I do wonder whether Raya's perfect level was playing for a team where he faced a lot of shots, uh, which, which made him look really good but he's not the kind of goalie that if Arsenal have pretensions to win lots of mm-hmm. things is, is going to uh, be there. Be interested in your perspective, Daz, on, on goalies. Uh, I, that is that is a problem of Arsenal's own design. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Ramsdale, it, it irritated me to no end that Ramsdale got the amount of kudos that he did last year. Um, he's a perfectly serviceable goalkeeper, but he's he's I think that he's prone to rushes of blood to the head. And he makes those types of mistakes that to your point, if you have any any desire to be a a, a title or cup winning team, you can't make those kinds of mistakes. Like look at the two saves that Ali made against Palace. Like uh, there's every every chance that if Kelleher played in that game, we would have lost it or tied it. Um, and yeah, it's, that was, I think that outside of Virgil van Dyke, he, uh, Alison Becker was the, 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 the best signing 
that's made in the Klopp that were made in the Klopp era. Um, just because you you can play two at the back and look at the way that Virgil stands aside for him or or show like hit look he's going to hit the shot. I'm not going to get in the way. I want you to be able to see it. I'll cover the short. I'll cover the far side. You cover the short side, and it's ninety nine times out of a hundred it, it works, and. Uh, it's it can't be it can't be it can't be stated uh, uh, like enough that uh, how important it is to have a good goalkeeper. Ray Clements, Bruce Trobelaar, both uh, uh, incredible goalkeepers. Look how many look how many uh, uh, look how many trophies they won. They played by, by, behind great teams, but those teams were also built on their abilities to keep them in games or to win them win them spawny games. So I think that I think that that is the stop the softest part of the underbelly for Arsenal. And that, that will that will cost them points. Just just to add in on Allison. I, I did hear some debate about uh, somebody being very upset that someone was saying that Allison was the best goalie Liverpool had ever had, which is really hard for us to tell, right? Because you know, even I didn't see many goalkeepers before Ray Clements, but to, to me, he, I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone as good as him. Um, and and I include Clements in that, and he was a pretty phenomenal goalkeeper. Um, I feel like that bleeds into just in a few words you might want to say about the Union San Gilles game because it felt to me that that we set up in a way that it, if we'd have had Virgil and and Allison playing it might have worked, um, but but I don't think you can cover with two um, when the the two are you know Virgil is not one of the two and Allison's not the goalkeeper behind them. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a ton to glean from this game. It's dead rubber where we just played a bunch of kids. Um, even, you know, it, when you play teams that don't have any sort of chemistry, this is what, what you get is what we had, right? Like, I think some of the kids had some pretty poor showings, right? Like, I mean, I think that's sometimes to be expected with kids. Like I thought, um, I thought Connor Bradley inserted some energy going forward. I thought he was terrible going back. I thought Luke Chambers was just kind of a, a little bit of a mess the entire time. I thought Jarrell Kwanzaa, even though he's got immense potential, had some extremely uh, bizarre moments as far as positioning. I think some of that wasn't aided by Chambers just not knowing where to position himself. I thought the midfield was dire, and that was the part that you'd hope would function because those are three guys who ostensibly should know how each other play, like Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, and Wataru Wendo should be a functional midfield. It wasn't. Um, and then I, it, you know, Ben Doak, I think that uh, I'm not trying to come off the Ben Doak hype train, but it's very obvious that he needs a lot more development before he's uh, an actual first team option, because right now he just kind of runs himself into blind channels with his head down, right? He'll beat a man and it's it's nice, but you know, he doesn't really kind of know what to do with the ball when he gets into those positions. And I, I can't really say much about Cade Gordon other than it's nice to see him back because of how long he was out for. And I, I, you know, the same thing, I kind of feel the same way I do about Cade Gordon, the way I do about the rest of the younger players, because that's, um, you know, for a lot of them, it's the first time that they're ever playing probably European football. And it's also the first time that they're really gonna, you know, it's, it's one of their first times really playing for the first team. So, um, it's a meaningless game that we just needed to get through the 90 minutes without any injuries. We got through the 90 minutes without any injuries. And the only player who did acquit himself, the player who acquitted himself most poorly was Kelleher. Like their, their, their first goal. I don't know that there's a ton he can do with their second goal should never go in. That is, that has to be saved. It's a nice shot. It has to be saved. It is straight at you. If you're positioned remotely well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
well, he was in the middle of the goal, right? Uh, and and given the guy was shooting from our right hand side, yeah, he should should have been leaning further over. Uh, yeah, he, he was giving he's giving him so much of the goal. Right. Beat him on the far post. Um, fair enough, um, but that's a much more difficult thing. That's final final thing on this. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's fair to say we didn't seem to have much of a plan for scoring. I'm sure they didn't draw up the oh, let, let Gerald Kwanzaa get one from a corner was was probably not the plan. But, <laughs> But but it is much easier, I think, to introduce one of or two of the younger lads into the team, uh, as he had done, I think, in some of the previous games, than what we had six were under twenty, uh, and and the experience in the team was was Jones, Kelleher, Kanati, and Gakpo, which and, I mean they're not none of them are exactly uh, you know kind of grizzled yeah, veterans, yeah. right? Uh, and Endo was the was the eleventh. Yeah, um, it was it was a run out. I, th- I think what I took from it was like, I know in our group chat, I, was, I seemed like I was angry. I was, I was more disappointed because I felt like this was a great opportunity for these kids to to equip themselves. Look, and that, that pitch looked like they just pulled root vegetables from it. And it was, and you could, a lot of the touch, and it's such fine margins for these guys. They're used to playing on, on pristine pitches where the roll is, a, a, you can put backspin on the ball, all of that nonsense. But you could see the close body control was was surprisingly poor from a lot of these guys that are drawing a paycheck to to be able to control the ball. Um, so it's I was just I was more disappointed because I I I just wanted the kids to give a good account to themselves and and by and large it was they felt and so you can you can say like look to to Justin's point there was there's no chemistry they're also up against a team playing wasn't well on, on their home patch or close enough to it and. Patch being the right word, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like you, they were they were flying into everything. Every 50-50 yeah. they were getting, every second ball they were getting, and we were just. I, I think that it was psychologically like none of us really give a sh- too much of a shit about this. The kids probably did because they did. They wanted to make a good account of themselves, put them put them in the in the bosses in the bosses' plans. But it was it was just one of those. It really was just one of those, and uh, it's like fair play to to. To Union Sanjil were they now and I think they're in the Europe uh, the, the conference right yeah yes they are yeah yeah I, I hope they win it to be perfectly honest I, I I've come out of this Europa League like I still don't like the competition um I've been I've been having this discussion with a, a friend of mine um I still don't like this competition I'd rather be in the Champions League all things considered um I hate Thursday football but I've got a bit of affinity for the three teams in our group because their supporters were all mm-hmm. awesome loud mm-hmm. um it seems like there were no issues with our supporters at any of the opposing stadiums which i'm not sure about to lose um I, I just didn't see anything bad reported but i'm obviously very suspect of the french um but yeah, I mean, the, 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 I, I love watching football supporters who just want to, to have a good time, cheer on their team, and also don't think that the person who's sat across from them in the away end is their enemy. It's just another person there to watch a football match yeah, and support their side. Yeah, to be clear, I mean, I think there's, there's serious issues about French policing of football matches. Yeah, um, yeah that's, uh, that's, that's fair. But indeed, I did not hear anything either. Okay, let's let's end it there. Uh, so let's all look back. Um, one win and one loss. Um, loss didn't really matter, as we said. 
uh, onto, well, well, I, I guess we, we can leave behind the Europa League till March now, which is kind of nice. Uh, and uh, worry about the draw in February, so we can focus on the league. Well, apart from next week on the uh, EFL Cup, but we'll be back in part two to talk about the United game. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of First Day Copites. We're going to talk about United, um, Manchester United, that is. Um, it, it, this all feels a bit too good to be true to me. Um, obviously, uh, we beat them 7-0, which we're never going to stop talking about. Uh, last time, uh, Klopp has referred to that as a freak result. Um, their fans appear to be dreading coming to Anfield. And, and it's weird. I, I These were the games I used to hate the most, you know, with John O'Shea popping up and scoring some 90th minute winner. Uh, it does not feel, it, it just feels too, like, good for our situation. Um, I'll start with you this time, Daz. Um, we, we obviously watched a lot of matches over the years where we were incredibly frustrated about not beating United, losing to United. Um, they haven't won at Anfield uh for i think i think they said since 2016 um and they haven't scored a goal they've scored one goal in the last eight visits um we beat them four nil the, se- the season before uh where, where, where are you on this uh just expecting a victory or or do you have the same kind of voice in the back of your head that i do I all like these games matches always fill me with existential dread. If they had two men on the pitch, both of whom were injured, and that's all they had on the pitch, I'd still expect it to be a cagey affair just because so wounded from my childhood. Yeah. I, I was listening to the boys in the Anfield rap, and they made the point that in, in the 80s, we played them 10 times home and away. We won what we won one, one game. Yeah. And we, that was some team we had in the 1980s from stem to stern, or isn't it like so? It's it's there's just different levels of juice to this. Um, I think you have it on the agenda, but I think those extra seven thousand people will make. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing what the well, how how much of a cacophony comes from 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 Anfield. You might be able to hear it from outer space. Uh, but it's uh, yeah, like I said, I think I said last week. It's, I just it's like the, it's like the third lap in Mario Kart. Like all you see is banana skins. That's that's pretty much that, that's that's kind of like how I feel about a lot of these matches. Like you're like yeah, yeah. you can you you can just you can justifiably be confident going into this. Like they're in they're in a pretty bad place. Um, it seems like there's there's there's, there's drama in the dressing room. I don't think everyone's on the same on the same page or the same same hymn sheet as you like to say, Paul. Yeah. I, I, so if if there's ever a time to get them to Anfield, it's it's now. However. It's it it's still Manchester United, and it's still it's. I don't think it'll ever ever not be. It's fraught for me. So, I'm look. I'm really. I'm looking really forward to this. Like the seven nil probably skewed our perspective, and the fact that they look. The fact that that, that they got Ten Hag got manager of the, of the month, and 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 Harry Maguire got player of the month. I I, I it feels like it was a, something to do with pity there because I'm not sure people are watching the same game that are handing out those awards. Yeah, but. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistically, I'm cautiously optimistic, but it's it's just one of those, isn't it? It's the manx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I must admit, and and uh, uh, 
I, I vaguely remember that you and I were there at the previous game, Justin. Um, I think I think I, I think I remember that. Right. So, so I remember thinking even a three nil because uh, because I've seen us <laughs> like lose leads to them before. The oh, I'm not sure we're home home yet. Home and drive. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. So um, that clearly wasn't the case by the time the game ended. But... I'm not afraid of them. Mm-hmm. I'm simply not. Um, this might come back to bite me in the ass, but like, they're shit. Yes. They have a negative goal. Like, this is one of those things. Okay. So I don't know how good we are. We have the, we're, we're, we have the most points and the highest goal difference in the league, right? They have a negative goal difference. They lose to bad teams. They have no consistency in how they play. Their best player is suspended. They're Harry Maguire for all the things you can say about him. Like, what are they going into this with the center back? Probably nothing very good. Probably means that you're getting Johnny Evans. Yep. Right? The only players on their team that scare me are, and it's is Rashford if he finds himself in space because he's good, and Scott McTominay, not because Scott McTominay is any good, but because Scott McTominay is scoring fluky goals at the moment. Right? I'm not particularly afraid of this team. I don't think that I think that the way in which they beat us is that they do they pull off a smash and grab, which is a possibility, but I don't see any way within which they comprehensively outplay us. I think it's gonna be 10 men behind the ball. I think it's gonna be ugly, and I think they're going for a smash and grab. The thing is, I don't think they're defensively good enough to pull that off. And it feels like the type of game where if you played these two teams and the exact scenarios they're in right now, 90 a hundred times. We're winning 97 or 98 of them, right? Or maybe it's like we'll win like 85 of them, 50, 10 will be a draw, and they'll win five. You just have to hope it's not one of that 15. Yeah. But there is another thing, and I might have said this in our group chat, and I might have said this to other people. And I know it's not realistic because of the amount of money he's owed and that they owe previous managers. But if we get another United manager sacked, I want three United managers sacked put onto the champion's wall. Uh, the, the, well, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, unfortunately, because of the circumstances, we might not get the uh, the benefits of that. Although, I, Which I, is I, fine. The longer they keep him, the better. He is terrible at his job. So, like, so, I don't know if you've seen the stats, actually, about last season. It kept going on about, like, oh, we had a great first season. In, in, in a season and a half now, they have only had one away win against the top 10 team um in um in the premier league so so basically they kind of they padded their stats by beating teams below halfway last season and they can't even beat some of them now um yeah i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna say something about ten hog and i'm gonna i'm gonna apologize to daz before i say this even though he's heard me say this before right they're physically bald and they're spiritually bald right <laughs> daz is physically bald but he's not spiritually bald Eric Ten Hag is both fear, spiritually and physically bald. Just a chef's kiss. <laughs> so I, I think we've we've touched on most of the things that I thought were talking points. I thought uh, Bournemouth actually. So I didn't even used to watch United games because because they used to grab spawny wins, and and now I, I don't feel any fear watching them play against whoever it is. And Bournemouth, I thought, handled them really, really well. Um, I thought it was interesting. They sat very deep against Bayern. Although they still look quite open to me, Bayern looked a little off it, which is not surprising given they'd been batted five one the previous weekend. Um, but they just did not look very good. Where Leverkusen win the Bundesliga? Do we have 
do we officially just call Harry Kane the most cursed footballer ever? Because, like, at some point, this isn't his fault. He does his job. Yep. Like, when, when – I mean, obviously, like, because, you know, I have no, like – my feelings on Harry Kane have evolved to a feeling of, like – I feel nothing for him, not neither good nor bad, right? Like I, I just I'm like he seems, yeah, he feels he seems like a, a a nice enough guy. Um, he's a very good football, a fantastic footballer, and he evokes no emotion in me, right? Do you, what point do you start to feel bad for him though? Because very clearly, not winning trophies, um, aside from the one le- game that he went out on one leg and made his team play eleven versus ten in a, the biggest game in Europe, um, it's not really his fault. Well, I, I, he lost me when he claimed that he scored that goal that Christian Eriksen clearly scored and swore in his daughter's life that it to the, to that effect. Like, yeah, you see the C, go get in the fucking C. Yeah, just you had me almost for a moment feeling sorry for the kind of very highly paid man, but it would, no, we should feel sorry for him. Wouldn't it be hilarious? Actually, it's 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 unluck. It, it, it's it's a discussion of luck, but luck doesn't necessarily entail sympathy. Right. Yeah. No. Back from the detour about Harry Kane. Um. So, so let's talk about uh, potential formation and then predictions. Uh, I guess my simple prediction would be if we score early, it's, it'll be over. Um, but formations, Daz. Uh, everyone seems really keen on throwing Trent Alexander-Arnold into midfield that I'm, I, I'm still hesitant. You can point to like, well, we did it and we won. I also remember like, his cock-ups at the beginning of the year that almost cost us points in that position. I just don't think that he has, that's not necessarily ability, it's desire. Like I watched them, I watched people run past him in the palace game. I'm like, you can't do that, mate. Like, like spit in his ear, grab him, do something, slow him down. And it, it it's just, it, it looks more like desire than it does ability. And I think that it's a nice, it's an it's a nice option to have when the glass needs to be broken. I just don't think from the jump it's 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 necessarily a great idea. Not in the way the club likes to play. And also then you're you're dependent on using on Joe Gomez as a, as a fullback probably. So I think he honestly I think he'll start with with Trent at fullback. The usual suspects in 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 centre mid there because Canate only played a half, so there's a good chance it's going to be him and Verge. Obviously Ali if he's if he's if he's fit. And I would, and it's going to have to be Simicus. Um Midfield, I think, is is where, is where the rubber. I, like, I don't think McAllister's going to be ready. I don't think it's one of those diddles where he's like he's he's like I got your bitch and jumps out of like a hyperbaric chamber, fully fully fit. Um, so it's probably going to be Endo, um, at least to start off with. I think that Klopp will. He's still going to. I think he'll still be cautious. I think he'll go with what he thinks he can rely on. Curtis played a full game. I'm, I'm almost positive he doesn't start. Yeah. Um, so who do you put on the left-hand side? Gakpo, maybe? Or are you going to go with Gravenberch again? Because it's I'm pretty certain that Dom, Dominic will start on the right. And yeah. then up front, it'll probably be Nunes, Diaz, and Mo. And to, and to your point, if we score early, I think that they'll just go to ground and, and, and hope the kicking isn't too bad. Yeah. I could, I could live with... Um... Most of those, I do wonder. I, th- I do think there's a question mark about whether um, the, the selection can, cons- whether we consider them to be a bottom ten team, really, uh, at home, 
which means we might pick a more expansive team. Although I think the absence of Jota takes away some of the flexibility around picking uh, four attackers. Um, ju- just in your thoughts about formation, you already said you thought he played Trent in midfield. I mean, this this is how I would do it, which I mean, I know that Klopp won't do this. Um, the back four, I would, I'm, I'm starting Joe Gomez at right fullback. I'm not inverting him unless I'm not inverting him. I'm basically, I'm then, you know, going Ibu, Verge, Simicus, Endo is the six. I'm playing Dom as the left side at eight, and I'm playing Trent as the right side at eight. That's how I solve that problem. Because basically playing Dom on the left will actually allow him to involve Diaz more. And that's how you destroy them. In reality, it'll give you license to get Simicus forward, who then gives you crossing and allows Joe to be a little bit more conservative and just get up and down the flank. That's what I would do. That is absolutely not what we're going to do. He's probably, I think Daz is right. He's probably just going to play Trent at the midfield, at, at the right back, and Trent will just invert very freely because. United won't carry much threat. The thing that scares me about that is just it put it gives Marcus Rashford a lot of space to run into. And they have hurt us like that. Not recently, but they have hurt us like that in the past. And I, I don't I don't like that. So um I would tend to want to be a little bit more conservative in my back line to allow my midfield and my forward line to be more expressive. Like, I feel like that's how you like, I I would like to see some sort of method of balance. And look, I I think Wataru Endo is a perfectly fine squad player, but I think he's the type of guy you can actually play against this as, as the six against teams like this. Like I thought that he was bad against palace, but I thought everybody was bad. And I feel like there's a little, it's a little bit of a scapegoating thing because as much as they were targeting him with their pressing, not, neither of the other eights came back to help him and try to like you know get on the ball from deeper positions and start progressing it that way. Um, yeah. The other thing that does worry me is that Dom's been a little ropey in form lately. Um, very happy that he wasn't used uh, the other day, but uh, could use a big performance out of him on Sunday, and I think we might get one. Yeah, I think some of it's going to depend on on who exactly. So I made a note about uh, who, who who are they in terms of what kind of lineup are they going to put out if if all of the supposed injuries kind of are, are still injuries because it, it at some point they're going to have to play Diego Dallo I think at either right back or left back and I, I think he is someone who really likes to come forward uh, but I think he leaves an awful lot of space behind him so I think finding that space uh will be will be important um for, for Liverpool to create chances um yeah so uh if that's formations how about we talk about predictions this happened when it's three or four one I think they'll get one late on when we can't take a foot off the gas um yeah I, I'd say probably a solid three one because even though we're the best we have the one of the best defensive records we still we still have to give up the occasional goal and it might be from it might be from a penalty I think them without I think them not having Bruno in their team is probably the best thing that can happen to them yeah because like they can replace him with someone that's just gonna graft they might you know they might try that that it's in name Manu, the the youngster the teenager, I think yep. he's got a high ceiling. I've from what I've seen him so from him so far, but I think that I think that the that the midfield will be a more of a functional grafting midfield, which is which is what we seem to have struggled against recently. As as teams that 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 are putting out midfielders that really aren't there to to do other than just to kick lumps out of our guys. 
Do, do you know who the referee is for this game? Because uh, the last two games, we've had a lot of our players being kicked and nothing much being given. Michael Oliver. Oh. Uh, oh that, <laughs> that might be as good. The, but my, my response to any of these react would have been, ugh. Like, it's just... Standard refereeing is so crap that it's just like I, I, I don't have any sort of reaction that's 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 possible beyond like mild contempt or disgust. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a very small range from disgust to contempt. <laughs> He's far from the worst. He's far from the worst, and 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 has the potential, I think, to be to stand up um, uh, to to. Um, certain people, uh, I guess Fernandez is not playing though, so maybe it doesn't need to stand up to him. What are your thoughts about scoreline, uh, Justin? 5 0. 5 0. Okay. okay, I think they're shit. I, th- I think we're, I think that this is going to be the game where we pound them into sand, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying 5 0, I'll take a fucking 1 0. I don't care, yeah, just win, just fucking win. Win. just win, just win. I think we're all on, on the train of just win, uh, but I, I okay. but I also really like. I think we seriously might pound them into sand. Okay, we'll end it there. Uh, by the time this goes out, the game won't be that far away. Uh, so uh, you'll be able to kind of test our predictions uh, from the end of part two. Welcome back to part three of First Day Copites. Uh, this is, I guess, the any other business section. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the EFL Cup. We play West Ham on Wednesday uh, at Anfield. Uh, West Ham, who I think, uh, I'm not quite sure what kind of form they're in. I, I hear people saying they're on a good run, and then they lost 5-0 to Fulham, didn't they? Uh, um, yeah, so so we'll talk about that. And then maybe we'll touch on uh, kind of some of the other teams uh, in and around us. Uh, and of course, we've got to, for Sean's sake, got to have a word about Chelsea uh, before before we're finished. So, um, Justin, West Ham, Wednesday night, stuck in the middle of two quite important Premier League games. Um, what, what do you think we do here? Um, do we go full pelt? I think you got to try to win it. Okay. It's a quarterfinal. Yep. Like at this point, you know, it this isn't a trophy that I particularly love, right? The the League Cup. But on the other hand, there's it, it, it's your earliest opportunity to get silverware. And I think that uh the concept of winning breeds the habit of winning. Yep. And it would be good because if you actually think about the players that we have in this side under uh, under Klopp, right? Um, not a ton of them have actually won things yet with them. Like Allison's won with us, Verge, Ibu, Joe, um, Costas, Rabo, Mo, um, Jota's got the two cups. Diaz has the two cups. Like. Darwin's not won anything with us and Harvey and you know, there's, there's actually more uh, trophies in this squad that I give it credit for that, that I was thinking, but at the same time, this is a rebuilt squad where we built, where we brought in a bunch of players. And uh, I think that them winning together and getting, getting a trophy lift and seeing what that means to the fans uh, can only um, spur on further success. It's something like Trent said, when we won the first, when we won the uh, champions league, it's like, you know, you don't want us to win our first one because we'll keep winning. And, you know, did he win? Did we win as much as that everybody would like? I mean, it's a question that's open to interpretation because we completed football. 
So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it would be nice to win. But at the same time, I am thinking about the fact that we're in a title race. And if I'm sitting there and ranking what I'd like to win, Premier League, EFL Cup. Those, this is not, well, forgot. This is an audio medium. When I said Premier League, my hand went very, very, very high. When I said EFL Cup, my hand went very, very, very low. Below the right? camera line. Yeah. Below the camera line. My hand went above the camera line when I was talking about the Premier League. Okay. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it, it's like I'm, I'm partial between, torn between, yeah, we should try to advance to the semifinal of this competition. And at the same time, I'm also uh, in the thought of, well, do we need those two extra fixtures in January? And I would prefer to see names that I don't even really recognize on the team sheet. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. And it's less than 72 hours to the Arsenal game. So I think that will impact um, uh, how we how we set up. So, so Daz, I think the one thing, uh, and Justin referred to the wall of champions earlier, the one thing that would be kind of cool would be to get the number 10 under League Cups, because I think we're at nine currently. Um, and, you know, even though there are two games in January, there actually are only four more games to navigate uh, to win uh, a trophy. Um, and West Ham, I mean, they've been, I think, weird this season. They've obviously progressed in the Europa League, but... Um, Whenever I've seen them, they haven't looked great. I mean, they've stolen some games. I mean, they stole that win at Brighton. Did Brighton have 85% possession? Spurs too. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, even, even more extreme, yeah. So. so their current form in the last five is they've drawn, won three, drawn one, lost one. Yeah. They won just, they so they just finished their Europa League group, the top of the group, they just beat Freiburg. Um Again, it's like you never really know what you're going to get from West Ham. Um, I th- look, I don't think there's any chance that Moyes isn't going to go f- uh, take a full tilt at it because it's important for him to do something of real note for that for that club. Well, I guess if they won the conference, they won the, the conference league, which is that's basically the EFL of of, of European competition. So hey, it's a trophy. Yeah. Well, it's all. I think most trophies are Mickey Mouse until you win the trophy. Right, right. <laughs> it actually, is is a sort of like think about Spurs. Spurs would probably two foot their nand to win a win, win any type of trophy. I am wondering what Harry Kane now thinks about the uh, Conference League. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I absolutely think like it's it's it, the finals within touching distance. The, the problem is it's sandwiched between two massive games for us. If this was if this had been between Sheffield and 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 Crystal Palace, I think that Klopp could have been a little bit freer with with the, who he's choosing. But it's it's United and then Arsenal. Yeah, and the one on Sunday is is, is potentially or Saturday is potentially going to be the one that that, that determines who's going to finish top of the league. I know it's early doors and there's a lot that can happen, but it, it has serious implications the, the the outcome of that match. Do I think that Klopp will play a, a, a strong team? Absolutely. Because I think that in almost every position that we have right now, we, even the backups, you, you you have a shot to, to be able to say like it, it's still a really strong team. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if McAllister is ready to play, that he that he doesn't start in that one because he needs to get some more minutes back into him. And it'd be a nice, it'd be a nice change to, to be able to have that. But um, yeah, if you can put any, any, any combination of midfield in there. Although having said that, I thought that 
to Justin's point about the Union Central Wild, like that we had the, the most experience on the pitch in those three positions, and we looked a bit dire. Again, it's like they haven't played together, so they, you can say that this, but they should be able to figure it out. The the, the professionals. So I, I don't know. I, th I think we go for it. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, even though it was experienced, we do a lot of kind of work vertically, uh, and all of those experienced midfielders had like someone inexperienced behind them and in front of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I don't know necessarily. Uh, it, it's it's fair to say that they were not just or they were also victims of, of playing a, a, a lineup that's never played together before. Um, so uh, we, we're, we're kind of a, we're not quite all in then on going for EFL Cup quarterfinal, uh, given kind of where it's situated. Um, what what are your kind of hopes, expectations about the game, Justin? Um, I think my hopes and expectations for the game is basically going to be predicated around um, – what Klopp thinks of the competition. If he doesn't care about winning it, then um, I don't think I can. Yeah, yeah. And there's, and like, you know, it's not losing sight of the fact that there's two bigger pots at the end of this, right? Because you don't want to jeopardize the league campaign for sure. You don't want to jeopardize the Europa League campaign by getting someone injured for a long time. Like yeah. winning either of those competitions, like, Winning the Europa League would be a huge, huge, huge result for us this season. Winning the Premier League would be exceeding everybody's expectations. I am very much on board with the possibility of doing one or both. And, um, you know, if Klopp feels that this is a competition just to get young players' minutes in, then... Uh, I think early on, Klopp really... Kind of gave the back of his hand to the to these to all domestic cup competitions, honestly. And I think until he until he won one, and he's like, you know what, like this 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 is it's it's nice to be able to put like different numbers up on the on the champions wall. Yeah, and I think he's at the point now where, like I said, that the, the finals within touching distance, and the people that are left in the, in this competition, like that the we could if I'd, I'd argue right now, this is probably the most difficult team. You could have a you, you could give Fulham a shot because they've they they formed in the last three weeks. Actually, it must be Newcastle. What's that? Newcastle. Dude, they are so injury ridden. They just yeah. lost Star as well. At the time of recording, he's I think he's done as well. So <laughs> okay. they they are ridden with injuries. Mm, I hope Eddie Howe keeps his head. <laughs> <laughs> but Eddie. So maybe we bleed in then to talk about other teams. Yet Newcastle do away from home have fallen off a cliff in terms of uh, performances. Uh, like they've, I don't think they've worn away in a month, have they? Um, they seem to pull something out at home. Um, but then again, amongst those teams they played at home, what they played Chelsea, Man United, who I think we generally, I think we're kind of grouping a bit together now in terms of where we see them as potential rivals, i.e., not. Um, Joe Linton's apparently been injured too. He's off. Oh, good lord! <laughs> My god! Wow. Well, Callum Wilson yeah. for a couple of games because <laughs> he doesn't stay fit either, right? There's a solution to all of Newcastle's problems, and it's called starting midfielder Jordan Henderson. Oh, <laughs> uh, get out of here with that! That that player player swap. I mean, it's not illegal, so they can do it. Uh, I, th I think much more more likely that they bring over I don't know Kante and Fabinho. 
I think it would be Ruben Neves who's the one who they'd want to bring over, even though they keep saying that they won't do it. Yeah. Well, he has said he doesn't want to go. I don't know who reported that, but that's what I've, <laughs> I've heard. Um, but now that uh, whatever they're called, the Benzema team uh, with Fabinho and Kante are out of the World Club Cup, maybe they'll uh, they'll, they'll bring them over. Um, that's fine. Both of those guys can't run. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, but not going any of their... Uh, their and other... it's also... Yeah, you know, the thing is with N'Golo Kante, they can bring him over because it'd be fine because there's no physical way to have a player registered on January 1st, which is when we play Newcastle. So it wouldn't... Uh, it, it would not uh, present a problem for us because N'Golo Kante, uh, regardless of his health uh, status, would always play his best games against us. But uh, he cannot do that right now because he cannot physically play against us. Um, that was good. Damn, we're actually coming up against them at a fortunate time then. Because we get them in two weeks. Yeah. 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 I, they are not in good shape at all, I think, uh, particularly uh, away from home. Um, just a cu- couple of quick other things on... Uh, I don't know if there's anything you want to say about Chelsea, uh, but uh, Sean always... Uh, uh, Sean is enjoying their their, their run of form uh, at the moment. Um, they are so fucking bad. It's all going to be good. And Kunku will come in and solve everything. They, they, yeah, they looked worse and worse, haven't they? They are so fucking bad. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it is failing my biggest hope for the season, which is that they qualify for the conference league so that they have to comply with UEFA FFP. But it seems like they're going to have problems with even the, you know, the Premier League's sustainability rules. So, um, yeah, that project is uh, looking like a real dud. Oh, yeah. poor, poor, poor babies. Yeah, maybe they can bring Otani over now that he's going to be a Dodger. Yeah, I'll defer all of his salary for the next twenty years. It's, it's, I'm surprised they haven't done that in the Premier League. Actually, <laughs> to some of these people, like pushing the can down the road in terms of, uh, I, I, I guess the, are they not allowed to? Is there no way they can do that? Probably not. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that they probably will outlaw it quicker than it can happen to Kurt her now because they've seen that the Dodgers do that. Yeah. What What is so funny is this week when they close quotes this loophole about uh, about uh, by having the amortization of contracts over over five years limited to five. You have to book them over five years. Is like people kept talking about. Oh, Chelsea had exploited this loophole. It's like if this is such a big loophole, why has nobody else done it? Like nobody else. Because um, it's stupid. <laughs> yes, yes. Football, be, footballers like, have a lot of churn. Why would you sign a guy to an eight-year contract? Yeah. Well, the good news is there's only six and a half years left on Mudrick's contract. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's it's. I mean, the, the thing with Chelsea is like they went out and there was like a like a small fig leaf of people thinking it's like well if you go out and buy all the best young players and give a manager who knows how to develop them he'll develop a coherent style but it's just not working and they're getting so much less than the sum of their parts i mean i don't know how they intended to use caicedo and uh fernandez fernandez together yep but it's really not working. Yeah. Well, they signed it like a baseball team, right? Where you know what hitter number three does, you know, doesn't play into how well hitter number four is doing. But it, but it might, it might matter what your midfield partner is, what his skills are, what his skill set is. Might matter. The biggest news of the it's week, though, yeah, The biggest news of the week, though, is apparently um, 
Pochettino believes they need to dip back into a transfer market that they've already fucking soaked up. There's nothing <laughs> left, mate. You took it all. What do you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they actually. But the thing is, he's not wrong. They need two positions desperately. Yeah. They need a goalkeeper. They need a striker. Yeah, talking about not having a top class goalkeeper. That's that's definitely true. Um, yeah, he's and then like. <sighs> I don't know what Nicholas Jackson does. He seems like he's a, probably a good footballer. I just can't pinpoint what he's good at in playing football. It's weird. It's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, this guy looks like there's something about him, but then I can't figure out what it is. Yeah. Well, he, he's not played a full season of uh, top-level football is what I read, um, which is, you know, I don't know what they paid for him, probably probably $50 million or something. It seems just not good recruitment. Um, forward on. Um, Maybe final word on Villa, whose home form um, is so impressive. People can't stop talking about it. They really did play well, I thought, against uh, City. Um, Looked look like they were the victims of playing three games in a week against Arsenal, even though they, they won that one. Um, but they're not very good away from home. Um, I think they only have one win. Um, th- thoughts on Villa? I'm glad that they've done what they've done recently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so totally, totally that, yes. Yeah. Taking points of City and Arsenal, yeah. I'd, I'd like. I, I've. I've never really had any animosity towards towards any Villa team. Honestly, it's and it's it's just nice to see that that the, their project is working. I think that, like having having more good teams in the league is healthy, and it's and it's nice to see like it's that they're that they're that they're, they're providing at least a new avenue of of. Of excitement because it's like oh, if I can say he's going to win the league. Oh, Liverpool's probably going to finish second. Oh, Villa's going to probably in the middle middle of the pack. But it's 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 nice. It adds it adds flavor. Um, now when we go there, I'd like to see them collapse. But that's just that's just football tribalism. So I, I I'm I'm excited, and I think that uh, you know Emery coming back and doing what he's done after he was kind of unceremoniously drummed out of the the Arsenal job, I think it's it's nice to see him getting the validation that he probably deserved while he was at a kind of a not a functional not a functional organization in, at Arsenal at that point. Yeah, it, it is interesting actually. Uh, there's kind of sort of a parallel with David Moyes, in which it, it's the first manager after the manager they've had forever for you know, twenty years, um, kind of is, is regarded as having done a really poor job. And then hindsight says, "Oh, wasn't wasn't that bad <laughs> compared with, uh, especially Man United with Moise's successes, who in Europe have done. He, he's apparently the last one who got them to a quarterfinal of a cha- in the Champions League, um, which anyway, obviously wasn't good enough for them. But I think there are parallels with Unai Emery. I, I do have one thing on Villa, right? One yeah. very quick thing, right? Their home form is great. Yeah. We go to them in game week thirty-seven. We need to hope they're completely on the beach." Sounds sounds good good to me. Um, or or maybe we'll be on the beach because we've already won the league. There's a thought. Um, we will be back after the Manchester United game. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you so much, Daz. Uh, wonderful to spend time with you this morning. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Follow us at First Day Copites on Twitter. We only tweet and retweet from sources we think are credible. 
Valley Music is courtesy of Hypnotic. They're a Welsh electro-pop band, and you can find them at https colon forward slash forward slash hyperfollow.com forward slash hypnotic. Hypnotic is H-Y-P-E-N-O-T-I-C. Thanks so much to them. <laughs> 